Hello, people of Earth, and hello, people of the internet wrestling community. My name is Curtis Spears, and I'm here today with the very first episode of the Smark Foundation, a brand new podcast here to talk about wrestling and uh, the joys that we get from it as fans. With me is my friend, your hero, Shane Campbell. And Shane, how are you doing today? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for asking. As I said, this is the very first episode of the Smart Foundation. And what we're hoping to do as a podcast is to go ahead and put some positivity back into the world. We've got a lot of things that happen every day in the world of professional wrestling. We all see it on Twitter, on Facebook, and on YouTube. And we noticed a lot of, a lot of negativity. And um, Shane and I are both lifelong wrestling fans who just want to put a little joy back into the world with all the joy that wrestling gives us. So with that, I would like to go ahead and say thank you very much for getting in on the ground floor of the Smart Foundation. Like I said, this is the first episode, and we appreciate you very much for listening. We'd also like anyone who's listening right now, if you feel like it, to go ahead and make the algorithm happy. Give us a like, give us a subscribe, give us five stars, whatever you want to do so that we can feed the algorithm gods. Now, Shane, as I said, this is the very first episode mm-hmm. of the Smart Foundation, and it's the most wonderful time of the year. Can I tell you that? Do tell. So we've got baseball season wrapping up right now, gearing up for the playoffs, football season's going on, hockey season just around the corner, and you know what time it is other than that, right? It's G1 season. No, oh. No. <laughs> it's, it's G1 season, man. Yes, yes. The grade one climax from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, nights one and two were just the other day. Three is tomorrow. Uh, as we stand here right now, it is September 22nd on a Wednesday uh, evening for me here in lovely London. It's uh, sometime in the afternoon for you in lovely Cheyenne, Wyoming, isn't it? Yep. And we are gearing up for... A fantastic day of professional wrestling. I know when I wake up tomorrow, I'm going to be watching the G1 Climax, followed by AEW Dynamite. There's going to be a lot of stuff to talk about. But for right now, oh my God, I want to talk about the G1. I'm so excited. I'm so, so very happy that it's back. I know a lot of people were crapping on the G1. Oh, the lineup's not what we wanted. We want people from other other federations to come in. And, of course, they can't because Japanese, uh, Japanese lockdown is a bastard right now. But yep. those first two nights that we got, holy crap. That'll get us directly into our what we call our match of the week segment that we're going to talk about. We're, of, of course, going to be a bi-weekly podcast, so it won't actually be match of the week. And we'll call it match of the... Fortnite, maybe mm-hmm. my match of the week oh boy tomohiro ishii and shingo takagi g1 climax night one 2021 oh boy this was this was just two big beefy men doing what they do hitting each other with lariats from the prohibition era ducking and diving shucking and, and jiving and just clobbering the crap out of each other for my enjoyment now this match is something that we've seen a couple of times uh, it's not always the most entertaining match but there was something special about the one that they had the other day it's already got a couple of people buzzing on twitter about a match of the year candidate i think i think that the thing that really impressed me with this was the fact that they took some of their previous matches which were just let's hit each other with lariats until one of us dies 
And they changed it where they were ducking and diving around each other. Uh, they were countering each other in interesting and, and fun, strange ways. So that when one of them did actually land one of those big power moves, a, a German suplex, a, a, a big lariat, a pumping bomb or something like that. When something did land, it was humongous. And I don't think anyone can sell a power move quite like Tomohiro Ishii. The dude is an absolute rock. He's built like a dump truck. And if you can pick him up and throw him, he stands up, he's wobbly-legged, he can't quite... It's, it's like a UFC fighter that just got you know, hit right in the chin and they're, they're wobbly, jelly-legged and things like that. And Tomohiro Ishii's selling in this match was off the chart. Now, Shingo Takagi is my pick for wrestler of the year easily right now. The dude is an absolute unit. But this, this match was... It was just the soup coming together. It was, it, it was absolutely beautiful. All of the flavors were there. Big hits, fantastic selling, oily dudes punching each other in the face, and oh my god, five stars. <laughs> it was, there was no way to get around it. All right, Shane, so that was my moment of the week. What was your moment of the week? Um, it's kind of uh, split into two. Uh, the, the for sure moment of the week was um, Big E cash it in, money in the bank. Absolutely. Um, we always want to throw as many flowers as we can at Big E. The dude is a phenom. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, the, you know, Money in the Bank cash-in matches really are never, you know, a thing. But the, the, the moments are definitely exciting. Um, now, when it comes to an actu- the actual wrestling match, I'm going to have to go with um, last night, actually, the, the main event on NXT. Um, and what was that? I didn't get to watch that yet. Um, so, basically, it was um, Braun Breaker. And uh, Tommaso Ciampa versus uh, Ridge Holland and Pete Dunne. Okay, so that sounds great. Yeah, I, I haven't I haven't seen too much of Braun Breaker myself. I know that's that's Young Steiner, yep. Rex Steiner, or uh, what's his Rex Steiner. Rex Steiner. Fantastic, fantastic name. I wish they would gone with that. Everyone else does too, so I'm not going to beleaguer that. But yeah. tell me about tell me about Braun Breaker. So Braun Breaker, Braun Breaker Beast, um, not the Beast <laughs> Incarnate. So that we don't get that confused, although maybe one day I don't know. For as for as little in the business as he's been in, because I, I I don't even think he's been in there for like two years, if I'm not mistaken. It's it's been pretty pretty low. He's he's already really good, and usually um, if you have any type of match that has Pete Dunne and or Tommaso Ciampa in it, that's oh, probably yeah. going to be my match of the month at a minimum anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. With Rich Holland as well. So so basically, you, you can tell that Dunn and, and, and Ciampa were, I wouldn't say carrying those two, but kind of carrying those two. Well, they're, but it they're was the okay. elder statesmen, so they want to they want to establish the, the line that everyone's going to work from, right? Right, right. So, I mean, you had a lot of back and forth. You had a lot of, you know, Dunn and Ciampa going back and forth, and then, you know, they're... Uh, giant tag partners, you know, throwing around, you know, their opponents. So everyone had their roles in the match. A um, lot, lot of action, a um, lot of enthusiasm. And, I, I mean, obviously this is building towards Ciampa and, and Breaker. Uh, everyone's everyone's saying that Breaker is, like, that's the guy that's going to be the show in, in NXT 2.0. Definitely. And how, yeah. how are you enjoying NXT 2.0 right now? What's, what's, the, what's it like? What's the initial readout? I think it's I think it's been great. I, I think it would be a little more up your alley as far as um, it's it's very faction heavy. 
Um, oh, I'm into that. You know, new, even, new Japan fan. I'm into the factions. Yeah, even even more than the OG NXT. There seems to be more emphasis on on the factions, male and female, and it's very diverse and so very faction heavy. And I think that also gives some of the people that otherwise wouldn't get that much TV time a little bit of TV time because everyone's in factions. And I love that because that's what makes New Japan so fun. You you don't always get a lot of singles matches between yep. random guys. Like that's that's what makes the G one so absolutely off the wall awesome. Is it's so many singles matches. It's ninety one singles matches, and you just don't see that any time any other time of the year. But what you do see is maybe you get uh, instead of getting Naito and Zack Saber Junior going directly at it, uh, you get Naito versus someone like Dauki from from uh, Zack Sabre Jr.'s faction. You know, he'll beat up on some of the younger dudes or he'll beat up on some of the lower card guys until he can work his way up to get to Zack Sabre Jr. for the match. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that sort of thing. And um, I think that that actually helps uh, with a lot of these bookings uh, for these shows because then you can have those lower mid-card guys get bigger matches. Uh, you know, you wouldn't normally see uh, Doki fighting someone in a main event, but Doki had a great match uh, three weeks ago against a returning Hiromu Takahashi. Mm -hmm. So Hiromu put Doki on his back and took him to a main event, and they threw down. Like, it it was absolutely fantastic because they knew that they had 20, 20, 25 minutes to really go out there and show people what they were made of. And so I, I think the faction system is absolutely fantastic. I hear a lot of people talking about how AEW has too many factions right now and things like that. And it's like, nah, man, that's the way to do it. When yeah. you've got two factions warring, that's the way to do it. There's so many different match combos you can do. You're not just blowing that big match. Right. And and, and although with, I mean, in AEW, obviously, you know, we'll have time to, to dissect that, in, you know, at a later date or even a little bit here. I mean, I, I think some of the criticism with the factions in AEW is there's too much emphasis on, like, two of them being involved oh, the, in like everything. The elite, whose yeah, name is right. directly in the in the name of the company. Exactly. Um, yeah, that, that makes sense. And I, But that's what the fans want in AEW. That's the fans in AEW it's the young bucks company they know what they're going for when they go to watch the young bucks or when they go to an AEW show they know they're going to get kenny they know they're going to get the the bucks that's that's kind of it's what's on the can isn't it you open it up and it's 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 the beans just like it says on the label that's true so with that uh we're going to go ahead and talk about a classic match a retro Mm -hmm. review and since it's our first uh our first episode ever I wanted to start it off with one that I really love. Uh, the first match is the Super J Cup first stage, Sumo Hall, Tokyo, Japan, April 16th, 1994, the great Sasuke versus Jushin Thunder Liger. Yes. So this match means so much to me. I don't know why. I just love it. It's, it's, not, it's not even the best match on that entire Super J card. Super J Cup card. It's... I mean, you had so many talented names in that. You had um, uh, Eddie Guerrero, uh, Takamichi Noku, Dean Malenko, Wild Pegasus is how I'll Mm -hmm. say his name this time. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you had Jushin Liger and Sasuke and people like that. But in 1994, it was arguable that Jushin Liger was the best junior heavyweight wrestler on the planet. And 
you know, you had a lot of great wrestlers at that time, but I mean, Liger was the star right? as, as far as a junior heavyweight goes. So he came up with this idea of taking all the best juniors from around the world and having a one night tournament to crown the best. Now the, the logistics of this absolutely blow my mind because how do you get four or five different companies and people from other, uh, other continents to come in and everyone played nice. There was the, the politicking and things like that. None of it actually came into, came into play. It was a, just a great tournament. And everyone figured that Liger was going to be winning. I mean, it's, it's his idea. He's the man. Liger's going to win this. He, he came up with a trophy that he could win, right? Right. But that's not what happened. Mm-hmm. So on the other side, you've got Sasuke. Sasuke was a young wrestler at the time. There's a lot of buzz around him. He's a shining star in Michinoku Pro Wrestling. But he's a big fish in a small pond. I mean, not to Michinoku Pro is nothing to sneeze at, but they're definitely not high on the on the pecking order there, you know? Right. And that's the story of the match. Liger's the star. Sasuke is the he's the little guy, right? And so it's the semifinals. The J Cup is underway. These two guys, one on the rise, one's established. The that trophy with the, the fame and all the recognition that's gonna go with it. But Sasuke, is he even really, is this dude even in Liger's league? I mean, the fans believe in him, right? But Liger's like, no, come on. Who's this, who's this guy? Mm-hmm. Liger, like, chases Sasuke around the ring some to start the match. Sasuke's faster, and he's kind of, like, dancing like Bruce Lee, that Jeet Kune Do style, like, backing up and dancing the whole time. And then Liger catches him. And, oh, my God, once Liger catches Sasuke, he works his back. He works his arms. He's he, Sasuke's just screaming uh, the worst thing that I've ever seen in my life. It's a it's a combination Romero special, the Mexican surfboard slash dragon sleeper. Yes, I'm glad you brought that oh up. My, oof. Yes. Oh lord, so bad. That was gross. And you know Sasuke is he's battered, he's beaten. That's when Liger's confidence gets out of hand, right? So. Soon, Sasuke is able to gain the upper hand. Literally, he just starts throwing his body at Liger any and every way he can. Sentons, moonsaults. He, he crashes the floor. He's hurting himself almost as much as he intends to hurt uh, Liger. Then Sasuke scores this disgusting razor's edge. And Liger's just twitching on the mat. But he can't put Liger away. Liger's, Liger's too good. Liger, at this point, he's the ace, right? Shortly after, Liger can regain his footing... He's battering Sasuke, you know, Frankensteiner, Shotes, Liger Bomb. Somehow, Sasuke's still fighting, though. Liger, Liger's, you can't put me away. Sasuke's, I can't be put away. Yes. After, after a few minutes, Liger is upset, throws Sasuke's out, Sasuke out. He's, I'm just going to win by count out. It's, it's dirty, it's heelish, but it, it's, it's a tournament. Whatever, you take the victory however you can, right? Before Liger can win with the ref... Sasuke climbs to the top rope, goes for a springboard move, <laughs> and fucking falls flat on his face. Hilarious. Now, the, the, the beating that he's taken in this and every other match that he's had to go through, he slips and he crashes straight down. And this just shows the heel work that Liger was doing. Liger stops, looks at him, and fucking claps right yes. in his face. Good job, kid. Good, yeah, fucking A. Awesome. Oh. Good for you. And while Liger's laughing at him, he's, he's like, this kid has the audacity to stand next to me, Jushin Thunder Liger. And at that moment, that's when Sasuke 
gets up, scores a quick Hurricane Rana to pin and advance to the finals. So Liger's hubris uh, leads to his ultimate downfall in the tournament that he created. And so a lot of people, I think they laugh at my adoration of Jushin Liger. I mean, he's goofy Uncle Liger, right? He's dancing, he's posing around, he's, you know, he's silly Uncle Liger. But this shows the true greatness of the wrestler and the wrestling mind behind his mask because he, he sat there and he went, ah, hell, this is like a big moment in the tournament I created. What am I going to do? And he just heals it up perfectly. I love that so much. And he came up with a way to create a long-lasting and endearing tournament, one that's special and heavily anticipated every time it's brought back. He had the booking power in the junior division of New Japan Pro Wrestling at the time. I don't think anyone would have blamed him for winning it. But instead, he made an absolute star out of Sasuke. Yep. And he he strapped the rocket to someone he saw as the future. And he was right to do so. Because if Liger had the ego of some other competitors, he could have been a much more decorated champion. But I don't think he would have been nearly as celebrated as he as he was if he had just booked himself to be champion all the time. Right. So I, I think it was it was pretty selfless of him. Um, so that's my take on the match. I, I love it. I, I could watch that, you know, 18 minutes or whatever it is over and over again until the sun goes down. What did you think? So, you know, kind of speaking on the, the runtime, the 18 minutes. So that, I mean, that's another reason why I really enjoyed it. And, you know, that's something that we've talked about, you know, in the past is sometimes current Japanese wrestling can be a little bit long winded. Um, you're telling me, buddy. And so to have a match like that in that era be so, we'll just say, excellently executed. Smart <laughs> it certainly was. Um, in, in such a small amount of time, all things considered, that, that, that was great. Um, it really was. And, and the thing is, that was, I think, the third time those guys had already wrestled that night. So you had, you, you had dudes who, you know, at that point, they had had breaks, but it was it was an hour of ring time at that point. I think they still ha- Sasuke still had one match left to go. Mm-hmm. And and one thing that I uh, enjoyed about it, I mean, to to my knowledge back then, there wasn't a lot of, I mean, and and you could you could correct me if I'm wrong, there wasn't a lot of situations where Liger was kind of put in as the Goliath, David versus. No, uh, he was he was always big for for a junior. Um, I mean, the dude's, he's, he's wide, you know, so like he could play a domineering heel if he wanted to, but he was so popular. He almost never worked heel. He never really had to, he never really had to be the big bad, but he was always able to pick people up and power bomb because he, he's a junior, but he's a huge junior, right? So he could pick those people up and, and do running Liger bombs and things like that. So he, he, he never worked really like, uh, an over the top big style but he had a lot of power moves that were really well disguised in his arsenal right and, and i think it was for me it was more of just the psychology the way they put the match together i felt like you would have thought that lager was like six eleven. this just imposing just the way it was put together it's like oh my god this this giant is gonna kill this kid Type. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and and he plays he plays it perfectly. It's yeah. it's a junior tournament. The Japanese and Mexican juniors at the time were very high flying, lucha libre inspired, and you know they still are, of course. But I mean, this was when uh, a moonsault was something that people hadn't seen. You know, so uh, I it was it wasn't until a year after this that Jinsei Shinzaki 
uh, brings the space flying tiger drop to, to Monday night raw, you know, it was a, a year after this. Right. So this was something very special. So when you get these matches between these people who are supposed to be outside doing acai moon salts and things like that, and Liker just takes him to the ground, ties him in a knot, puts exactly. him in cross face yeah. chicken wings and things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was, that was, that was nasty. deliciously heelish. Yeah. And, and I, I will say that I pretty much cringe and not even necessarily in a bad way, but in a good way, if there is such a thing, I cringe with every power bomb that Liger does because they are so crisp and it's just like, man, like, and it's not even, it's not even that he's like a dangerous worker, but it's just like, oh my God. You um, smiled a bit when I brought up the um, the Mexican surfboard dragon sleeper combination. Uh huh. What yes. was that? Was that your moment? That that was my moment, and to this day, I can't even remember the last time I've seen it. Since then, I think maybe Daniel Bryan did it to someone within the last that ten years. That seems like a thing he would do. Yeah. Um, but every time someone goes for the surfboard, I just think, man, Br- bridge it back into a dragon sleeper, like. That's one of my favorite moves of all time. I, I tell you what, I the, the the Mexican surfboard is one of the things that I absolutely hate seeing. The, I remember the first time I saw it, I saw um, Bull Nakano did it to Alundra Blaze, Oof. and I thought that it I, I I thought that it was the most fuckedest thing I've ever seen in my life. I said that is gross. Yes. That is absolutely disgusting, and I now love Bull Nakano. Yeah. <laughs> Ever since then, Bull Nakano has been my favorite female wrestler. She's the best. So yes. that's that's the thing. Bull Nakano forever. But yeah, I, the Mexican surfboard is just, and it's a cool looking move. And then you drop someone so that their their legs are basically folded in half, and you put them in a dragon sleeper. And I just go, oh, ooh, ew, ew, turn it off. <laughs> yeah, and 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 so it's that, and it's fun to go back and watch matches like that because you know for for me, I wasn't exposed to Liger. Really until, you know, he was dabbling in WCW back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he was, it was 1995 in September 95 when uh, WCW had their, their first Monday Nitro show. And the very first show, uh, the very first match of the first show was Brian Pillman and Jushin Thunder Liger throwing it yeah, down. Yeah, which was another classic. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, for, you know, and, you know, Liger's, a, he's a legend, you know. You know, second to only Ultimo Dragon, but he's a legend nonetheless. Oh. What? Um, oh. So yeah, you, you know, had to say it, didn't you? <laughs> you had to say it, didn't you? We've had this. We've had this discussion many times, man. Yes, Ultimo Dragon's a legend. Uh-huh. Jushin Liger is the world legend. Okay. <laughs> so that's that's our retro review for the week. Uh, we're going to be what we're going to be doing with this uh, section is we're going to be alternating. So next uh, next episode, Shane will pick a match. Uh, he's, of course, going to be picking the 73-minute Okada Omega no-time-limit two-out-of-three falls match, of course, obviously, because Shane loves Kenny Omega. I do. Not. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. So uh, let's let's go ahead, and we're going to get into some uh, listener questions right now. Uh, we don't actually have any listeners at the moment. So what Short I list. did was I went and... <laughs> yet. Yet. <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to reach into some questions that I got from people around Instagram, Twitter, and uh, my neighbor. So that was pretty cool. All right. Um, our first question came from Jesse. 
That's at Zombies, B-E-A-S, 23 on uh, Instagram. What's your favorite generation of wrestling? What do, you, what do you think your favorite, I mean, Attitude Era or Monday Night Wars or, you know, what, what's your favorite generation of wrestling? I'm going to, for me, I'm going to say the period, kind of the transition of the Golden Age rock and wrestling era, the transition between that and the new generation era. Oh, like, so like 94, 95, that sort of era? Right. I'd say I I yeah. love the new generation. Yeah, it gets a lot of flack sometimes, but there, a lot yeah, of solid I mean, matches. There's a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff there. I mean, I already just brought up Chinsei Shinzaki, but uh, you know, versus Bret Hart. So you had uh, Hakushi versus Bret Hart, and um, you know, Diesel is champ for over a year. And I know people hated that, but I don't care. I loved it. And uh, you know you had you had Owen and Owen and Yokozuna as tag team champions working together. They were great. The the new generation was fantastic. Yep. Let's go ahead and um, ask. Uh, what's your favorite way to watch wrestling? Like what what kind of um, do you like to watch it live? Do you like to watch it uh, with spoilers? Like wh- how how do you prefer to take wrestling? Um. So there there was a while there where I was pretty uh, pretty religiously on the on the the dirt sheets so to speak. You know, I had to get involved with the spoilers and all this and all that. And um, I've kind of scaled that back in the last couple of years and just tried to get just lost in the moment. So as far as watching it, you know, live events is are, are ideal. But otherwise, you know, I just I just try to go into it as as dry as possible, we'll say. That's that's the, the best way to go. I hate spoilers, man. I, yeah. I just the, the the morning of an important show. I say morning of an important show because it's you know 9 a.m. here uh, in in lovely London uh, London England. I get to watch um, New Japan Pro Wrestling. So wake up, have a bowl of cereal, and watch uh, watch New Japan Pro Wrestling. So th- that morning, you know, if I'm starting it late, I'll just leave leave Twitter off. Don't don't answer Facebook, and uh, watch it with with no no spoilers. I hate the spoilers so much. And yeah, there's, there is a, there was a long time in the mid two thousands where I was just, you know, captain dirt sheet. You know, I, I don't think I watched most of the, most of the episodes of SmackDown or raw or something like that. Cause I was just, I was reading the dirt sheets and saying, Oh, I know what's going to happen. If there's a cool match I want to watch, I'll watch that. But otherwise, you know, Oh, I've, I've, I know how that story ends and it's right. a terrible way to watch wrestling. Yep. Uh, next question. What's your favorite kind of wrestling? You know, Lucha Libre, um, Catches Catch Can. What you know? What 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 do you like to watch? Huh. I don't know. I think for me, it's a situational thing. Mm-hmm. You know, kind kind of in the in the uh, way of you know music. If you're in the mood, you know, for a certain genre of music at the time, you know, I think wrestling can be the same way. So I don't know if I would have a favorite because the favorite being pro wrestling, um, right. in itself. But I mean, That's I guess if, if if I if I had to. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I have one, to be honest. Well, your 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 favorite wrestler of all time is Bret Hart, right? Correct. So, I mean, would you say uh, you know technical wrestling is your favorite, or or is that just it's Bret Hart? It's not the way he wrestled. It's it's Bret Hart as a character and a wrestler. Well, I think I think with that, as far as with Bret, what made him special was he could adapt to anything that he you know any type of match. So as as good as you know Bret versus Owen. At WrestleMania was, you know, as far as a mat classic, um, you take 
Barrett versus you know Stone Cold, you know, in, in their infamous fight, and so there there was always that you know he was able to adapt, and so yeah, so I'll go with that as my favorite wrestling style, Bret Hart. Bret final Hart, answer. Bret Hart is your favorite wrestling style? Yep. That makes complete sense to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, our next question comes from Sean. Uh, that's DSB in Wyoming on Twitter. And his question is, tonight, that's um, September 22nd, it's a Wednesday, as we record now. Tonight, how hard is Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega going to fuck tonight? Very much so. Um. <laughs> <laughs> on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, 17. On a scale of 1 to 10? Yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, Kenny Omega versus Danielson is going to be amazing. Um, yeah, I, I can't believe that match only ever happened one time. It's and it's it was a it was a comedy match. So well, I mean, you know, Danielson was you know blazing a trail in the Indies and you know becoming future WWE Hall of Famer, and Kenny at that time was mm-hmm. wrestling kids and blow up dolls. But you know what? They <laughs> they've made it. They've made it to the same spot now. So you're gonna. You're going to get us canceled on our first episode. <laughs> I, I love Kenny Omega. <laughs> I love Kenny. Powers. Yeah. Great. You're fucking out. <laughs> All right. The, the, next, the next question from Sean, DSB in Wyoming on Twitter. Why are WWE and AEW so averse to showing women's wrestling? Both have huge, talented female rosters, and we can't get more than one match or ten minutes total of women's wrestling on a show. What what's going on? Why why can't we book more women's wrestling? So I've I've often had that question with AEW, um, WWE. Although they've gotten a little bit stale lately, I think they I think they do a good job um, with uh, showcasing it a little bit more, just because they have more championships. You know, you got you know, EST and the Man thing on SmackDown, and then you got Bliss and Charlotte, and then you got the. T- the tag champs for both NXT and so I mean, and that, you know going back now to um, you know we were talking about earlier with the factions in NXT, you know Mandy Rose she has her own faction now so I think it's getting better. Um, I would like to see a little bit more as far as AEW. I know I know Britt Baker is uh, the thing right now and rightfully so, but. It, It'd be nice to maybe showcase a little bit more than just her sometimes. I, I think the, the the moment that we'll know that women's wrestling is the next thing, the, the big thing at the moment, is when you can finally start getting matches that aren't for a title but still have a high place on the card. So you have actual stories because there's always going to be stories in men's wrestling that don't focus around a title. I would love to see that same sort of attention paid to women's wrestling, something, something that's not... Oh, you stole my man like it used to be, but something that's not for a title, something, something where you can have two people that actually legitimately want to rip each other's heads off for personal reasons. And you can have that grudge match Yeah. from Jeremy, uh, who has the chick magnet net handle Naito's mullet on IG. That's amazing. <laughs> he, has, uh, he has a question for us. How does AEW keep its momentum after such a high peak? Uh, he means uh, all out. Uh, how do you follow that show up? Uh, he says, now is the time to find out if Tony Khan really is the genius that the internet says he is. Um, so how, how does AEW keep rolling on? I think perhaps putting an emphasis on people that are already there would be the first thing. <laughs> um, if we're being honest. <laughs> um, again, uh, so, 
and I and I'm not and I'm not I'm not trying to bash AEW. You know, I I watch I watch it right along with everyone else every week. But at some point, you got to develop the people that are already there. And you're not always going to, I mean, at the rate that WWE is cutting people, maybe, but you're not always going to have these big signing <laughs> every every other week or every other month. So at some point, you kind of have to settle into a groove and just kind of focus on the wrestling because there's, there's, there's super talented people there. And so right now, it's kind of, I kind of compare it to, so remember back, back in the day, WCW, where like, Anytime, like, a limo pulled up, you're like, oh, my God, who's in the limo? And, you know, whether it had to be WCW or NWO, like, you're always just wondering, like, who's going to come in or who's joining whatever. That's basically AEW right now. It's like, oh, who's going to be the next person that's going to come in? And it's like, it's exciting, but I don't know if it's something that can be sustained long term. So at some point, they're going to have to settle in to just focusing on the people that are there. I think... My um, my answer to this question is twofold. One, obviously, you wait until Hangman Page comes back. That's that's a built-in story between he and Kenny. That's gonna that's gonna pop a rating because people love Hangman Page and they want to see him win the AEW World Title. So that's easily uh, a way to continue that momentum. Number two, dream matches. Just just dream matches. Obviously, tonight we're having o- Omega and Danielson. That's a dream match. The, and there's there's two kinds of dream matches, too. There's the dream matches that we all know that we want, the Omega Danielson dream match. And then there's the kind of ma- uh, matches that you go, oh, oh, yes. Yes, that is a match I want. And that's that's what I think is going to happen with, um, like, CM Punk and Ricky Starks. I didn't think about that. I never thought about that. And then, and then it happened. CM Punk said, bring me Ricky Starks. And I went, yes. Yes, bring him Ricky Starks. <laughs> yep. So I yep. think... I think that's that's the two ways to do it is wait for Paige to come back. That'll be huge. And also keep giving people matches that they don't know they need. Right now, the AEW roster probably rivals the WWE's roster as far as maybe not as far as the, the length of time that these people have been wrestling because you got some people in both companies that have been wrestling, you know, 15, 20 years. But you've also got some people that are, are wrestling for 15 to 20 months. So you've got these two huge companies with huge rosters and shake things up and give us, you know, give us the, the, the crazy matches that we didn't know we needed. That's that would be it for me. Right. And so just one more thing to kind of touch on that, that I, I think and I don't even know how AEW can if they're able to do anything about it, because it's just going to be, you know, fan reaction. But one thing that um, I've noticed is so whether it be CM Punk or Eugene, whoever's going to come in from WWE, they already have a built-in, they're already over, so to speak, just because they're not in WWE anymore. So yeah. they're already you're, you're already not having to really develop a new character, put an emphasis on you know a current gimmick or whatever. It's, you already have that built-in reaction regardless. Is that something that's going to stay, you know, long term? You know, is look how excited people were when uh, the artist formerly known as Ty Dillinger, you know, first showed up. Like, oh, oh my God. And now he's kind of, you know, settled into, you know, his own thing. I mean, everyone it eventually kind of settles in. You know what I mean? Like, it is the law of diminishing returns, isn't it? Like, you, you get, yeah. you know, you got those two big moments with, with Danielson and Cole. And then that now 
Andrade already kind of feels like he's been right. pushed to the back, right? So yep. the the thing that they could do is learn to cycle people in. You know, um, mm-hmm. once once the world's not on fire anymore and people can travel freely between different countries, you can start sending people off to Japan for a month or two while they're, you know, you, you can send Darby Allen off to do best of the super juniors with new Japan. And then when he comes back two months later, people haven't seen him in eight to 10 weeks and they're going to go, Oh, Oh crap. Darby Allen's back, you know? And, and so while he's gone, you can build up other people. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's all as far as uh, logistics go stuff. That's going to be on the horizon. Right. Um, unfortunately, right now, the the forbidden door, the AEW New Japan relationship is it's really only benefiting AEW at the moment. But soon, soon, I look I look forward to next summer for next year's G1 right now so much because, you know, maybe we'll get Miro in the G1. Ooh, maybe we'll get Andrade in the G1. Ooh, you know, like something like that. So hopefully when the world's not on fire anymore, that that forbidden door can swing both ways. That'd be great. Right. Final question. This came from Josie LeFay. Uh, it's J-O-S-I-E-L-E-F-A-Y on Instagram. This is my neighbor. She's a fantastic person, and I love her to death. She said, "What is? Uh, what's your dream forbidden door matches between AEW and New Japan? I took a long time thinking about this because this could be a lot of fun. So... Mm-hmm. My dream matches uh, between New Japan and AEW, I've got. Do you have anything that you can think of that you'd like to see between AEW and New Japan? Right off the bat, I would have to say, ideally, I would like to see Switchblade come in and win every title ever in AEW. Ever. Yep. Every single one. <laughs> Hell yes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> TNT, World Heavyweight, uh, you know, Cruiserweight, Women's Champ, Switchblade, JY. <laughs> exactly. 24 7 365 jay white <laughs> that'd be great jay, jay white's an absolute master and god i could sit here and just rant for a day about how jay white's 2021 has not been impressive i mean after wrestle kingdom you know he cut that promo where he was talking about quitting wrestling and things like that and he just seemed like the second he showed up the world was going to be on fire for him and then what's he, he's been fucking off an impact for yeah nothing yeah i understand i understand japan it's hard to work in japan right now but really man (laughs) come on please well Uh, all right well i mean i i understand like right now uh new japan's starting to run american shows again and um you know he'll be running he'll be running on those american shows facing people in front of crowds that can actually make noise unlike the new japan crowds which Mm -hmm is a chore but we all want to stay safe in our in in you know follow covid regulations right very true so we have to listen to the clap crowds it's what we got to deal with but mm-hmm. you know what the the matches we're still getting are i'm gonna say okay here it is i'm gonna say it the matches we got out of those two clap crowd new japan g1 shows absolutely shit on anything that aew or, or wwe has put out in the last two months, I don't care. As, uh, match quality. Match quality-wise. Clap crowd be damned. Uh, Naito and Zack Sabre Jr., Okada and Tanahashi, I don't care. Those matches were better match quality than anything that any American company can put out. I don't care what the crowds are doing. Okay, you're wrong, though. <laughs> but... They're, I'm from a great height. They're 20, 30 feet above just shitting on them. Mm, mm. Mm. 
I'd, I'd, I'd say about 75% of the matches, but I wouldn't say 100%. <laughs> Your bias is showing. No, my bias is showing, yes. Uh, so, so yeah, Jay White doing doing whatever he can to just absolutely run roughshod over AEW. That's your dream forbidden door match? Yes. Absolutely. Okay, so I'll, uh, I'll go through and give a couple of mine. Uh, I wanted to avoid the any like Bushi versus Omega or Okada versus Omega stuff. Yeah, we get that. That's that's gonna be a thing. Yep. So I wanted to try and kind of put my put my brain uh, into let's go mode, and uh, I came up with a couple of good ones. I think the time bomb Hiromu Takahashi versus Darby Allen. Um, I think both of those people are absolutely insane, and w- one of them would probably be leaving in a body bag, not by choice. So that would be uh, that would be absolutely fantastic. This is one that I I had to scour a cage match because I swore that this probably happened in like Rev Pro or something. But uh, Tomohiro Ishii versus uh, Eddie Kingston, uh, the, okay. that would be okay. Uh, you know, between Tomohiro Ishii being Captain Strong style and Eddie Kingston being this you know King's Road style devotee, I thought that those two would have a fantastic match together. Now here's here's one that happened three times in Dragon Gate. I've only ever seen one of them, but Shingo versus uh, Pac, two you know wide beefy wow. boys, oily oily fellas being pissed off and smashing the hell out of each other. I thought that would be a great match. Yeah, the last time that happened was around the around the turn of the decade, 2011, I think, in Dragon Gate. Next one, Zack Saber Jr. versus Brian Danielson. That's that, yes. Oh. <laughs> that uh, that happened uh, two times in 2008 and 2009, somewhere in Europe. I think one was WXW in Germany. I don't remember where the other one was. But finally, my big brain, my galaxy brain, I said Tetsuya Naito versus CM Punk. And I don't know what they would do, but I would <laughs> love it. <laughs> I, I just, I have this in my head of Naito continually getting under Punk's skin and like at first Punk's kind of laughing about it and things like that and then after a while he's just trying as hard as he possibly can to just nail Tetsuya Naito with the go to sleep and just put him down forever because Naito's just getting so under his skin and I I know that it would probably be more storyline than it would be match rating work ratey um, because that's that's who CM Punk is CM Punk isn't you know he's not the work rate guy but he's the he's the guy who can tell a good story and the way Naito works out his, he lays out his matches, he's an absolute genius. So you've got the, the big storyline guy and the big match layout guy, and it would be magic in my brains. Yes, yes. In my head I movies, agree. this would be fantastic. So uh, those are our listener questions. Uh, we're going to set up a gmail account that i'll put in the show notes here so that we can actually receive other questions from listeners uh we'll have all the social medias and things like that that'll come out in time as well uh we'll be having uh, an instagram a twitter uh facebook page shane do you have anything you want to say before we start signing off for the day let's see let's uh i don't know if we have time for uh for some hot tag hot take Hot tag, hot take. Let's do it, man. Go for it. I'm okay. gonna sit back and just let you let you ride this uh, this train. All right. So I've been I've been thinking about this one. So I'm gonna go out on a limb and uh, say my uh, hot tag, hot take. The first, you know, we we we're talking about you know WWE guys going over AEW, da da da. There's gonna be one where it's gonna be the other way around. 
Oh yeah, that's Mahaki. the real Forbidden Door, isn't it? Yes. So the first um, the faction, I guess, if you will, MJF, WWE. Hot How take. soon? When? When is it? Give us. Give, call your shot. Let's go, baby. Uh, okay. So uh, let's see. Under three years. Under three years, MJF to the WWE. That's the shot that that's you're calling. The shot. Now, I'm, I'm going to point out right now a couple of things. MJF wrestles, what, twice a year? Exactly. So, <laughs> that's, that is not the way it's going to be in WWE. Do you think he's going to take the, the same amount of money to work 60 times as much? Yes. So this is, this is, <laughs> this is, this is where I, that I've been thinking about this. Is, And again, you look at someone like him that, now granted, in time, you know, Everyone can't be champ, you know, right off the bat, and I get that. And he's he's had some high-profile matches. But I feel like as more people are coming in, although he's going to have an opportunity to work with these guys, I think the attention is going to be less and less on him. From a gimmick standpoint, maybe from a personal standpoint. I don't know. I don't know him personally. But so I think I he's think, gonna he's gonna fall to the to the wayside with all the uh, incoming star power as well as homegrown star power. You think exactly. those, those people are gonna put him in the backseat? I think I think he's gonna get lost in the shuffle a little bit, and because it would be such a heelish thing to do to leave AEW at at its height, and I'm not saying he's gonna be you know in WWE for like ten years. I can see it being like a Maybe even a one-off, but it could be something short-term to where he, like, I mean, because how else, how else can you get booed right now by AEW? The only way you're booed by AEW is if you're a WWE. <laughs> you like insult Brian Pillman Jr.'s grandma. Yes, also that. <laughs> so that might factor into it now that you mention it. But other than that, the only way that you can get, you know, more heat, you know, so to speak, nowadays is to go over to the guys that, you know, everyone is, like, you know, throwing on the bus and the, go over to the bad guys. I could see him being intrigued to go over there and completely roast Tony Khan, roast, you know, everyone over oh, there in AEW. Can you imagine let if they let him have a, a, a an open mic on Raw to just, like, hey, go out there 10 minutes Talk about what happened over there. Ooh, mother. Yep. That's my hot take. Mother. That would be, I, I think that would be one of those for the ages. That, that'd that be one of those YouTube videos that gets 350 million views in 24 hours. Right. Right. That that would be fantastic. I, I don't know if, I don't know if it'll come true. I think uh, he's having fun getting a lot of money to work twice a year. But, uh, I mean... Could be. Stranger things have happened. You you called Jinder Mahal winning the WWE Championship about a decade ago. Yeah. So, good. You know, cool. This this, this, this is my next. This is my next gender. So so, <laughs> calling it. I love it. Right on, man. Well, uh, I think we'll we'll go ahead and call it there. That seems like a good um, good episode for our first episode. This is a uh, kind of a trial run. We'll have. Um, our social media is set up for the next one. We'll have a, a theme song written for the next one. I've got someone working on a theme song right now. I, I feel pretty positive about this. I think we're bringing a lot of fun uh, and positivity 
whereas people kind of tend to shit on things that they don't uh, they don't like about wrestling um we're we're the ones who try to lift things up and be a shining beacon for positivity and and showing the things that we love definitely till next time this is curtis spear saying a winner is you say goodbye shane goodbye shane i knew you were gonna do that jesus all right (laughs) 